You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Some stories you just never forget, right? You've had those stories. I was listening to a sermon by Chuck Swindoll and reading about this. And, 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 and uh, Chuck Swindoll told a story of a man, a young man by the name of Glenn Chambers. Glenn was a young teenage boy who had been called to be a missionary. And so Glenn surrendered his life to go to South America, to Ecuador, and preach the gospel. And, and, and he, was, he, he, he planned all of, the, uh, all of the things that need to go into it, raising support, you know, uh, dealing with misunderstandings from family members that said, this is crazy, what are you doing, navigating your way through that. We have missionaries, the Connors have been missionaries, the Mercers have been missionaries, the Portugals, other families maybe you've served on the mission field. There's a lot to sift through as you prepare to go to a foreign field. A lot of conversations, a lot of things that have to be done. Hey, Glenn did them all. And as a young man, he was filled with excitement and enthusiasm about fulfilling the purpose for which God had created him to be a missionary. He was thrilled about that and all of that was exciting. He'd raised all of his support. He left everything behind and he boarded the plane. But just before he did, he thought in that airport, you know, I need to, I, I just need to tell my parents a few more things. I don't think I said enough before I left. So he noticed there was a magazine nearby, just kind of scrambling before the plane left. He just ripped a piece of the magazine out and began to write a quick note to his parents. Mom, Dad, I love you. You're the best. I'm going to miss you, but I know, I just want you to know I'm doing what God wants me to do, and I'll never forget the way you trained me, and all of these things. He just filled up the the, the piece of paper, the article around, the, around, the, uh, around where it was empty spaces, put it in an envelope, threw it in the mailbox in the airport, and mailed it away. Got on the plane and headed off to fulfill God's will for his life as a young man. Somewhere en route to Ecuador, a large mountain in the midst of a very foggy afternoon ripped that plane out of the sky, threw it into the ground, and killed every single passenger including that young missionary, Glenn Chambers. Word got back to the States that everyone on board had died. And so there were lots of funerals, including Glenn's. His mom and dad uh, buried their son. And after the funeral and after the burial, the letter came. And she went out to the mailbox, still grieving. She noticed it was a letter from her son, written before he passed away. She opened the letter and read all of the beautiful things that he said, but she couldn't help but notice one thing that was just standing out more than even the words he wrote. In the midst of that article that he had randomly ripped out of a magazine, there was one word, three letters. Why? Why? Swindoll went on to write. He said, of all the questions, this is the most searching the most tormenting. It accompanies every tragedy. It falls from the lips of the mother who delivers a stillborn, the wife who learns of her husband's tragic death, the child who is told, Daddy won't be coming home anymore, son, the struggling father of five who loses his job, the close friend of one who commits suicide. Why? Why me? Why this? Nothing can fully prepare us for that. The question that every follower of Jesus Christ has asked themselves at some point in time. I've asked it. 
You've asked it. And it's the question we're going to try to answer from James chapter 1 this morning. And so I want you to notice with me the text in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I'd like to read you the first four verses and the second verse in three different translations because I'm going to draw some words as we just walk through the text. I'm going to draw some words from that verse, but looking at it in in three different translations. Join with me, would you? James, verse 1, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. This is written to Jewish believers. He says, greetings. Notice, first of all, in the ESV, count it all joy, my brothers. I want to stop here and say this about this verse. I'd like to nominate this verse as one of the most outrageous statements in all the Bible. Just, just, I'm just nominating it. I'm not saying it has to be, but just my nomination. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Notice next in the New King James, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And then finally in the NLT, it says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. So let's start right there, shall we? Just number one, and I'm going to walk you through the text here. Count it all joy. Consider your opportunities, or rather your trials, an opportunity for great joy. Count it all joy. Consider it all joy. Now let's just establish something right here from the outset, that joy is something very different than, than we as human beings call happiness. Got to start from that, because oftentimes we think the two words are synonymous, but they are not, especially spiritually speaking. When it says, count it all joy, it is not saying, be happy about your trials. It's not saying that. So so we got to understand this if we're going to understand the text. He's not saying, be happy about your trials. Happiness is something completely different. Happiness is so circumstantial. Happiness is so in the moment. Happiness is like... You know, uh, inviting a bunch of friends over to watch the Razorbacks on a Saturday, right? Hey, I, I love that. I can't wait. Let's get some hogs pizza, of course. And, uh, and let's get some pizza, and, and, and let's, let's watch the Razorbacks. Hey, guys, you coming over? I'm coming over, man. Yeah, go hog. Oh, big Zoe. Right, Elijah? <laughs> Did you go to? Yeah, you went to U of A, didn't you? No, you didn't. Who went to U of A? That's right. You. All right, we got a U of A guy. Why? What year did you graduate? Hey, let's give this a high five. Wes Pittman graduated in 19- he's a He's a Razorback. You do like the Razorbacks. I, 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 yeah. Any, any other Razorback uh, graduates here? All right, Bill, you graduated U of A. So you like the Razorbacks. Come on over, Bill. Let's have some pizza. And then they lose. And I'm not happy anymore. It was so in the moment. It was so circumstantial. I mean, I felt so good about my buddies coming over, Raz and Bill, to watch the game. We had a, and then they lost. And all we did was just like, see you later, man. Hey, get out of here. <laughs> you know? And it's like, you going to church tomorrow? I don't know. I'm not even sure anymore. <laughs> you know. Well, the truth of it is, he's not saying be happy about your trials. That is very, very different from what he's saying. What he's saying is, count it all joy. We're not talking about happiness. Won't it be great when? It'll be great, it'll be, it'll be great if. No, no. Joy is different. Don't miss this. Joy is supernatural. And and listen, who is supernatural? The word supernatural is attached to God. God. See, joy comes from the Lord. What we sang about here, there's joy in the house of the Lord. 
Hey, there, that joy we're talking about, that joy we're singing about, that joy we read about in the passage Jordan led us in, who for the joy that was set before him, that's not possible without God. It's not something we can do on our own. We don't have it in ourselves to have joy. When he says, count it all joy, here's what he's saying. Reach out to God. Reach out to God. But get God's heart in the matter. What you're going through, God knows. God God has an answer. God's in control. Joy is supernatural contentment. It's not something that's circumstantial. It's not something that's in the moment. It's supernatural contentment in the purpose of God for your life. It's understanding that God has a plan in this. And God's in control. Joy is the supernatural contentment in in, in the people of God. It's knowing that if I've got people around me that know God and love God, that, man, I can make it through this trial because I have a, I have a church family. I, I have the, 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 you know, the family of God to come around me. And that's what I did yesterday. I had some wonderful times with church family members, some of you in this room right now, that we just sat down and talked about life. And we talked about some hard times, and, and we talked about some difficult seasons in our lives and things we're going through. But we all, as we got up from the table, by the way, I had four meetings yesterday at San Francisco Bread Company, which is my, really my favorite restaurant because I can afford it, right? You know what I'm saying? And uh, I had a great time there. Just, and every time somebody walk in, somebody walk out. We just had a blast. I just decided to meet there instead of the office because I'm in the office all week, you know? And, and, and all we really did, guys, if you were with me, is we just bore one another's burdens and fulfilled the law of Christ. We just, we experienced a contentment, a supernatural camp in the people of God. And then joy also has something to do with the person of God. That God is good, that God's in control, that he, he, he brings light to dark places in our lives. And so God has a purpose. And what we want to do in this series is find out a way to trust him even though we're not seeing it right now. Even when I don't see it, he's what? He's working. He's working. And, and listen, joy makes happiness look like a joke. It just does. I mean, honestly, happiness can't even... Can't even stand up to joy. It, 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 on a scale of 1 to 10, happiness, 1, joy, 10. 10 12. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not even close. Oh, listen, joy. <laughs> joy. Count it all joy. Number two. Notice secondly in the text. It says, dear brothers and sisters. Only Christians get this. Only Christians can get this kind of preaching. If you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're like, this dude's crazy. He's talking about trials and problems and heartache and loss. And, 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 and we're supposed to have whatever this joy is. Yeah. Brothers and sisters. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you understand this. You, you get it. Doesn't mean that this sermon is, is not still valuable as we dig deeper into the subject. But only a follower of Christ would ever consider a trial, trial joy. Only a follower. Let's consider just for a moment in the NLT translation one word. Look with me, if you would, please, at that one word. Verse number two, consider it. A little bit on that word, consider. Does anybody have that in their translation, consider, here today? All right, quite a few of you. Consider it, joy. What that means is this. It has the idea of pressing your mind into the matter. Of pressing your mind upon the trial. Of mentally focusing on it, considering it, measuring it, going over it, calculating it. And when I do this, my life is not about me. 
It's not about me. It's not about, man, I'm just going through such a hard time. Woe is me. Feel sorry for me. This is so hard. No, this is not about my pleasure, my ego. This is about God. I mean, he's, he's doing a work in me. I'm not here for me. I'm here for God. I'm not here for me. I'm here to, to delight in the supernatural purpose of God for my life. I'm here to display the superiority of God in my life. That's why I'm here. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's why I get to draw another breath. That's why I woke up this morning. I mean, it's August the 14th in 2022, and I'm 57 years plus a few months old. And I got to wake up this morning and take a breath, not for me, for God. I'm not living this life for me. This life is to be lived to give God glory. And if a trial will produce that in my life, then I want to be okay with that. I want to get to the place where I understand that more. That's why Christians sometimes go through hard times. I, I believe that could be why a Christian gets cancer. Why our Christian goes through a difficult season in their life, a season of adversity, a season of financial struggle, because the contrast of how a follower of Christ handles something is so much different than how a child of this world handles it. It's completely different. And as a result of a child of God going through that, a child of the world sees that and knows, how do they do that? How are they getting through this like they are? And so James says, consider it, consider it. An opportunity for great joy. How do you come to that conclusion? I mean, this is outrageous. How do you come to the conclusion that a trial should be considered and counted as great joy? Well, I can tell you this. You can't come to that conclusion filling your mind with entertainment to dull the pain. And you can't come to that conclusion by stuffing your face with food to dull the pain. And you can't come to that conclusion by filling your body with alcohol like so many do. Turn to substance, which turns into substance abuse because we're just trying to dull the pain of the trial. And you can't come to that conclusion by when your heart is filled with anger and bitterness. It's not going to happen. You can only come to this joyful conclusion by counting it and by considering it an opportunity for great joy. So let me give you quickly just three ways to consider your trial. Because sometimes it takes a little bit of a homework assignment, right? I mean, I think sometimes we preachers can be guilty of giving a lot of information. But what about something practical to apply? Well, first of all, let me encourage you to do this. First of all, what happened to me is the first question. Write it down. What what happened to me? What, what, What just happened? What was this trial that happened? And write it down. Journal it. Write it. Write it in detail. How it came. What specifically happened? What brought it on? Detail, was it, was it the discipline of the Lord? Was it, was it just an unexpected uh, tragedy? Was it suffering? What, what, what was the trial? Write it down. Secondly, why am I here on earth? Remind yourself this, that what is the purpose of your life? To display the superiority of a life found in God. You've got to remind yourself of that. This is not about you. This is about God. And then thirdly, How can this trial advance that purpose? Whatever it is that God has for me, the plan for God for my life, how can this trial, what can I do to move forward? How can I take the next step? Because it's hard, and I don't understand it. 
And sometimes I do want to quit, and I know you feel the same way. But how can I get up and take the next step, realizing I'm a child of God. I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I have the Word of God. I have the fellowship of the saints. I am so resourced to go through this trial. It's incredible. I mean, everywhere I look, I'm like, I've got so much to help me through this trial. It's amazing. And I want to fulfill the purpose for which God has in this. Number three. Take a moment to notice in verse 2 again the word, the little word, count it. Do you see it? All joy. Don't miss the opportunity. What does that word all mean? Notice it. It means total. That's what it means. Complete. Pure joy. This is the best human experience of all time. My trial? Yes. Your trial. My trial. It's the best Human experience of all time. It's an opportunity, here it is, to shine the light for Jesus more brighter. What a better opportunity. I mean, if you came up to me today and said, Preacher, you want, you want to know what's going to help you shine the light of Jesus bright? What? A trial. Really? Okay, well, uh, anything else I could consider? How about, you know, how about a steak? You know, can, 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 can you come up with something else? The truth of the matter is, this is the greatest opportunity we have to shine the light of Christ brightly. That's why the cross is so beautiful. We look at the cross and we see our Savior as a moment. We'll remember him as we partake of the Lord's Supper at the end of the service. And we look at that cross, cruel cross, a cross of, of, of injustice, a cross where so much uh, happened that wasn't fair. And yet our Savior stayed on that cross because of what? The joy. He saw you and me. The old song, we were on his mind when, when he was on that cross. And he counted it all joy. All joy. This is an opportunity. And then number four. Notice, and I'm going to use the New King James for this. Notice it says, my brethren, count it all joy. Again, an outrageous statement, right? When you fall into. We don't often see it coming, do we? We fall into the trial. It's like we wake up in the morning and we're going to have a great day. Everything's wonderful. We got this little pain in our chest. But it's, I mean, it's just a little pain. It's not a big deal. And then our arm doesn't go so well. Brother Kevin experienced this a few weeks ago. And then the next thing you know, we're being rushed to the hospital. We need a stent. It wasn't something you planned that morning. My buddy Q. Byram Hurst, a, a lawyer in town, good Christian, godly man. Holds a Bible study in our town every week of his life. Doug Gully goes to it. I've been invited to it several times. I think, Don, you've been to it. Amazing. Quarterback club. Q. Byron wakes up about 10 days ago. I was in his city clerk's office this week with Harmony Hurst. And Harmony, his daughter, said, yeah, Dad just woke up, had a normal day, went to Judge Ohm's court and, and did what he does, what he's been doing for 40 years, just doing trials. Comes home, has a massive stroke. I said, how's your dad, Harmony? Well, we've been praying for him, and we have been. I've been praying. I've had him on the prayer line a couple of days. She said, well, she said, you know, it's been, it's been really tough. Dad keeps wondering if Tamari's going to be able to go back to the courtroom. I'm like, Dad, you can't even speak. It's going to take a while, Dad. He said, preach, I'll be honest. And she said this without me preaching the sermon to her, and she's not here this morning. She said, we just didn't see it coming. My buddy Reno Likens Got used to be a member of our church for six or seven years. Does teen camps all over the nation. Great guy. Just a great man of God. Loves the Lord. Loves his family. And Reno recently had a stroke. And he's still in rehab trying to figure it out. His wife Carla has been asking for prayer. And, 
and he's not sure what the future is going to look like. They're not sure what the future is going to look like. They just didn't see it coming. I can tell you recently when I, I, some of you know about my fractured rib, and I've tried to make kind of a, uh, you know, a a, a light, I made it light story, and I've kind of rolled with it and sucked it up, and I did miss a Sunday because of it, but at the end of the day, uh, honestly, I woke up that morning, went out to my little food truck, had a deck being built, didn't have the decking on it, but I was trying to make sure, I had good intentions, I was trying to make sure that if somebody stood on the deck and the, and the, the, the window opening was up that somebody that was like Kevin's size wouldn't hit their head. I had good intentions. I'm thinking, oh, man, it looks a little bit high. We've got to make sure that, you know, people at least 6'4", six, 6'5", six, six, six can walk up to it. And so I, I'm like, but there's no decking. But that's okay. I'm 57 years old. I can do anything, you know. I step on that 2x6, and I'm walking to make sure. And, boy, it falls down. And, man, I cracked my rib and thought I punctured my lung at first because you're, you're so fearful when things happen. Your life flashes in front of your face, you know, until you kind of take a breath and realize, okay, I'm still alive. I'm not dead, you know. I didn't see it coming. I woke up that morning with an Erica Pacey day, you know. Like, just this is going to be great. Let's go. Let's have a wonderful day as, as I try to look at every day. But can I tell you, that wasn't the best day I've ever had. Because sometimes you just fall into them. You don't see them coming. Next, number five. Look at James chapter 1, verse 2 again as we walk through the text. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trials or trials of various kinds the trials that we are going through are very very different everyone in this room experiences trials that are different they're not the same my trials are different than your trials and so we need to watch out for this i wish i had their trials i just wish i had the ballard's trials i you know i mean i mean mine are so much worse i just wish i had yours and so we, we begin to be envious of someone else's trials. Listen to me. They're not the same. They're not the same. Some are tough. Some are devastating. Some are difficult. Some are tragic. But here is the joy. Life is short. Life is short. Eternity is long. Consider your child great joy. Great joy. Life is short. Eternity is long. God has a plan. God has a purpose. We're not here for ourselves. May we begin to understand that our trials of various kinds have a purpose, and it's our trials, not someone else's. Let's let God teach us through that. Next, look at just number six here as we go to verse two and three together. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various or trials of various kinds. Here it is. For you know you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness what does what do i know i know something here's what i want you to see it produces steadfastness write this down or fill your notes out when the pressure is on we find out if we are really in christ you see trials separate the men from the boys trials separate the sheep from the goats Trials separate the wheat from the tares. And when the pressure is on, we find out if we really are in Christ or not. Because in a church this size, listen, I'm not foolish enough to believe that there are are many that have made a profession of faith that may not really be in the family of God. And I say this gently and lovingly and with great concern. 
But I remind you about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20. You will recognize them by their fruits. Scripture teaches that one of the fruits of a genuine believer is that you don't give up. You keep going. You continue. In fact, 1 John chapter number 2 and verse 19, John says this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but, but they went out. And here's why they went out, that it might become very plain that they just were never of us. Defection is proof of false conversion. I'm simply saying this, that that I'm thankful for a Bible-preaching church. I really am. I'm thankful that whoever's up here preaching, and I think in the past 12 months we've had, you know, Scott Mercer and Mocha Pacey and Butch Fry and Jeremy Horton and Kevin Connor and Jordan Elkins and, and other preachers have been here. But I, I think one thing for sure is whoever's up here preaching is, is preaching the Bible. This is a Bible preaching church, which means sometimes we're not going to hear what we want to hear. We're not going to be a smiley face church that says, hello, everybody. So glad you're here. And I just want you to know that God has a wonderful plan for your life. Everything's going to work out if you become a Christian. You're never going to have a problem. That's false preaching. That's false teaching. That's not scriptural. So sometimes when we hear things like this, let's be thankful we're in a church where the Bible is being preached, where the Word of God is being, is, is being preached in an expository way, where we're understanding as we go through the Scriptures what God is actually saying to us. And by the way, He's not saying you can lose your salvation, and I'm not saying that either. But some of us have never really had it. And the trial proves that we never really had it. And so my point is this is that let, let's understand what real salvation is all about. The real gospel is not another gospel. And as we go through trials, they are proof of our faith. In fact, some translations actually talk about trials being the proof of our faith. N- number seven, he says this. He says the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Quick question, are you being tested? Are you being tested? You know, I, I never really liked tests. I always thought I was a better student than my grade, personally. You know, I looked at my grade, I thought, I know more than that. I'm smarter than that. That grade doesn't really say who I am. I'm, I just wasn't a great tester. And I think some students would be the same way. I mean, but I understand that they're good. I would even say this, that I think a test is a very loving thing. I want my faith tested. I want to put the full weight down on my faith that I have in Christ and see if it'll stand up against it. Because if your faith hasn't changed you, it hasn't saved you. You see, faith will change us. It's the testing of our faith that produces this steadfastness. And so if we were to give a final exam and school is starting and and we haven't had any tests yet, but they're coming, guys. They're coming. And there's midterms and there's finals. And if there was a final faith exam, there might be three questions on that test. And the first question might be this. Do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that God is in control? In fact, sometimes you might give a test like this. Write a full page on do you believe. Answer this question in in one paragraph or more. Do you believe that God is in control? And And give support text as to why you believe that, right? Do you believe that? That no matter what you're going through, God's in control. God knows. Number two, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that? That God is good. No matter what I see, no matter what I face, we sing it often in church, you know, the goodness of God. 
Do you believe that? And then number three, here's the third question on this final exam of faith. Will you wait on him by faith in the trial until the darkness becomes light? Because you will see it. You will eventually see it. (laughs) Psalms chapter 27 and verse 13 puts it like this. For I had fainted. And you know what? I want to say this. My trial sometimes overwhelms me to the point where I think I'm going to faint. I'm not going to make it. I can't pastor this church and go through. I, I can't be in this marriage. Like, I can't, I can't keep staying in this friendship. I mean, sometimes it gets so overwhelming in the trial that, that I would have fainted. Unless, let me tell you why I didn't faint. Because I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Because I know God is good. Because I know that if I'm steadfast, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord of the land of the living. So I'm going to keep on going. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stay in it. And that brings us to number eight in James chapter one, verse three, where it says this, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. What does it produce? Tell me, church. Steadfastness. What a word. And that word shows up oftentimes in scripture, and it's the most important word in the whole New Testament concerning the word trial. It's the most important word. In fact, if there's one word We need to know about trials more than any other word. It's that, steadfastness. Now, I'm not a huge Greek fan, although I do know it's very helpful and and it it, it helps complement oftentimes a word or a text. So for that reason, I'm grateful for it. But I did take a moment to really try to dig deep into this word steadfastness because it is the most important word in the New Testament regarding trials. And I hope I'm saying this right. Jeremy, you're pretty good with Greek. Hupomene. That's what it is. Am I pronouncing it right, you think? Does it sound good to you? Okay. I thought about calling you before because I didn't know if I was pronouncing it right because when I looked at it, I thought, looks like hupomene. But, but here's what I found out it means. This is so cool. Hupomene is to remain under. To remain under something. To remain under the weight. That's the testing of your faith would produce the ability to hupomene. That the testing of your faith produce The ability, get this, to remain under. Wow. That's what God's going for. God's going for that. I'm in a trial and God's going for this. Eric, remain under it. I'm testing you. Hey, Jerry, where you at? Come up here, Jerry. Jerry's my buddy. He's like a son to me. His dad lives in China. I hadn't seen his dad in about three years. Hopefully that's going to change soon. But Jerry, you good good so far with just this? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. I mean, it's a little awkward. I mean, I'm, I'm bearing down a little bit. All right, Jerry, how you doing now? Grab a hold of my leg. All right, Jerry, we still good? All right, it's a little awkward, a little different, but I mean, you can handle this, right? All right, Jerry, ready? All right, Jerry, okay. Jerry, how you doing, man? How much you weigh? Uh, 200. 200, I'm 180, 175. Here we go, Jerry. Now, Jerry's okay. He's a strong guy. He's doing okay. But I guarantee you, we stay here for the rest of this sermon, and this old boy is going to be having a tough time. But so far, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry's remaining under. I'm sure he doesn't want to remain under. I'm sure it's awkward. He feels weird. It's awfully strange. But so far, I'm really grateful he had to let go. Thanks, Jerry. You see, what God's trying to get us to do, I could have used Terry. In fact, Jerry said, could you use Terry next time? He's on the second row. It was easier. This is what God's going for. 
If God can get you and I the ability to remain under the pressure, he can get every good thing he needs to get out of us. Just by remaining under. Every good thing God wants to do in your life and in my life is going to come through hupomene. Remain under it. And sometimes this is the last thing I want to do. It just is. Listen, as I said earlier, he didn't say to be happy about my trial. But he did say to count it all joy. And sometimes it hurts and sometimes it's hard. Am I right? And sometimes there's fears. The fear of like, how long am I going to have to hold this dude up? This is crazy. Why didn't he tell me before the service he was going to do this? I just fell into this example. I can't take it much longer, God. You ever said that? When a spouse leaves? When a child rebels? When a sickness threatens? Bill? When your dad's dying? I love you, Bill. When my heart breaks in so many places. I want this over. God, I want this to be over. And when we say that, it cuts against the grain of what God is trying to accomplish in our lives. Hupomene. Remain under. Be steadfast. Four things we want to do instead of remaining under is this. First thing we do is we want to complain. Okay, God. Stay under it, huh? All right. Well, get ready because you're going to get a mouthful, God, while I'm here. Just know this, God. This is probably... You got the wrong person. This is really weird, stupid. I don't know why you're doing this to me. God, I am a good person, God. This is ridiculous. I don't know what you're up to, God, but this is silly. We just complain, 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 complain. It's always, it's always somebody else's fault. Number two, we want to lash out. Lash out. This is something we do instead of just remaining under. We lash out against a spouse. We lash out against a a child, we lash out against a boss, we lash out against a pastor, we lash out against our kids. Thirdly, we want to bail. You know what I hear more often than any other two words right now from people? I'm done. I'm just done. I'm done, preacher. I'm done with it. I'm done. I don't, look, I didn't sign up for this. I'm done. My wife's laughing because she says it a lot. <laughs> About me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I knew you'd laugh. But don't laugh so loud, honey, because they all know. I mean, when you laugh out loud, like everybody knows now. It's funny, though. Isn't it funny? I'm done. I mean, it's human nature, right? We just, I get it. I mean, you're, you're pastor and pastor. We're very human. <laughs> we are just normal people. And we feel this way sometimes. I don't have to take this. This is not why I signed up. To be a Christian or to be a church member, or to be a college student or whatever, or to be a ball player, some of our new athletes. Or number four, we just want to fold. Take me out. I'm withdrawn from my classes. I'm done. It's over. Just take me out. I don't, want, I don't want to do this anymore. Or sometimes I hear this. I don't even want to live. I'd just, I just be better off dead. First Peter 5, 6 says, instead, humble yourself. Therefore, under, who pulminate, under the mighty hand of God. Why? So that he can exalt you when it's time. God is trying to teach you something. Staying power. Who pulminate. 
steadfastness, the ability to endure, to remain under the pressure. Why remain? Because the nail that doesn't stay under the hammer will never reach the goal. Because the diamond that doesn't remain under the chisel will never become a precious jewel. Because the the gold that doesn't remain in the fire will never become refined. And because the Christian that doesn't remain under the hand of God will never see the purpose of the trial accomplished in their life. Hoop hominet. Number nine. I want you to look with me at two verses on the screen at the same time. Notice, if you would, our, our verse we used the last two Sundays, and it, it's, it's my favorite verse on trials in, in all of Scripture because it tells me what I'm going to come forth as when I finish remaining under. God's plan is that I would be gold, right? He wants to refine me as pure gold. But notice it says, he knows the way that I take. We talked about that last week. Remember we played the Jeremy Camp song? He knows, he knows. It's a great song, about he wrote it when his wife passed away of cancer. James 1, 3, for you know. Interesting. God, God showed me this two weeks ago studying these passages. I was reading James 1, 3, and when I saw for you know, I thought about James 23, 10, and I said, wait a minute. Here's what I know. I know that he knows, and that's all that matters. I don't know, but you know, and I know that he knows. See, for you know that he knows. He knows the way that I take. He knows the path I'm on. He knows the circumstances that I'm in. He knows the situation that I'm facing. He knows exactly what's happening because he's appointed to every believer a season or seasons of adversity. He knows. And that's all I need to know is he knows. Sometimes it's hard, it hurts, and I don't understand. I have to remind myself, God knows. God knows all about this. God knows what I'm going through. God would not have allowed this had not he had an incredible purpose to make me as gold. And so I remain under. And then number 10, and finally, he says in verse number 10, and I love this. Or excuse me, in verse number 4, I'm sorry, in verse 4. Number 10, verse 4. And let steadfastness have its full effect. I love that. Let's stop there for just a moment. Just a moment. Okay, so I need to let remaining under hupomene, I need to let that have its full effect. Why? So that I'll be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God, I want it all. I don't want part of it. I don't want to go halfway and quit. I, 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 don't, I, 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 want, I want all of it, God. I, I want to give you all of me so I can have all of you. So, God, I willingly submit. I'm going to stay under it. So, so God, your strength can be made perfect in my weakness. This week I had somebody text me a 30-second video that I want to show you. All he said was, he was a preacher, and he just said, Hey, bud, thinking about you. And there was this video. Watch it. yourself looking at circumstances and deciding that they're of such an overwhelming nature that probably you just don't have it in you well the answer is you just probably don't have it in you nor do i 
And God, in his amazing mercy, brings us into difficulties and darkness and overwhelms us. Yes, overwhelms us because he knows that the discovery of his strength is in the honest acceptance of our weakness. I needed that that day. I needed that 30-second reminder. Eric, it's, it's, not, it's not about you. Give up, Eric. It's only in your weakness can God show how strong he is. And sometimes trials are what he has to allow to make us weak. So that we'll admit, God, I can't do this without you. We just got to remain under for that to happen. You know, I remember in 1983, I was a senior. I don't know, if Butch, is Butch here? Butch Fry, is he here today? Oh, stink. This is a, I wish he was here because it's really a funny story. Butch and I grew up together. Now, he lived in Pine Bluff, and I lived in Hot Springs, right, for, in my high school years for about five years. So I played Butch's team every year in basketball. And this is why I wish he was here. They never beat us one time. I, now, he knows they never beat us, but I just like reminding him. Now, I'll tell you something about Butch. Dude, he was an incredible offensive player. He, I remember one game, and Tony, you remember this, because Tony, you played on our team. He scored 40 points in his gym against us. I mean, he would hit three, I don't even think they had three-pointers back then, but I mean, he, he, he could shoot from half court. Butch was an amazing, no wonder, you know, Logan, Logan had, could, could, could ball. But Butch was an amazing player. He just had an awful team. I mean, he was it. He was all they had, you know. And so, in, in the semifinal game, the game before the championship, I had a bad sprained ankle. It was awful. I mean, it, it was bad. And I knew it was bad. In fact, you ever had a sprained ankle where you, it's not, you just tweak it, and you're like, you walk it off? This one, there was no tweaking. So, I go into the locker room, and there was a trainer there, and I said, I just looked at him, and I was in pain. And I said, what can I do to play tomorrow night? Because we made it to the championship against Butch's team, and we beat him. Anyway, and uh, <laughs> so... I said, what can I do to play tomorrow night? He said, you want to know? And I said, he says, put your ankle in that ice bucket. I'm like, what's, what's going to happen? He says, it's brutal, but it works. So I, I, I did it. And I'm going to tell you, just be honest. <laughs> John, you, you're not. Dude, I mean, after about 10 seconds, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, you're screaming. You're acting so strange. I mean, look, I. I know I'll never experience childbirth, but I'm telling you, ankle in the ankle in the in the ice chest, it's tough. I got it in there. Thirty seconds, you're like, you're like, take me out. One minute, where's the gun? No, seriously, it's over. And you're just screaming. You're like, how much longer? He says, you got to go at least two and a half for it to have its full effect. And I'm just screaming and yelling. I go a minute and a half. Now, at two minutes, you can't even feel it anymore. Blood flow has stopped, Cody. It's, it's done. You're just, ankles in the eye. You are, you're screaming. You, two and a half minutes, I take it out. I played in that championship. Now, I, I paid for it for about two weeks after that. But it's the last game of the season. I got to play the whole game. Won the championship. But I'm going to tell you something. Rem, remaining in the place of pain is what produced the result. Being able to remain in that place of pain produced the result that I needed and that, God, that, that, that I wanted. And God's the same way. God needs us to remain in that place of pain so it will produce life transformation. 
pastors that often leave a church to go to a new church. Things get tough. They don't learn what God wanted to teach them because they just split when it got tough. Spouses that leave their marriage. And I understand when I say this, there are circumstances. There are times. I get that. I know that in every statement sometimes we make about real tragedy in life, there are exceptions. But so many times as I see it, a spouse leaves before God could really teach them what he had for them in that moment to transform their marriage. They may have been one day away, one counseling session away, one moment away from total change. We think a change of scenery will solve the problem. And then we get married to our second wife and we're like, you remind me of my first wife. A change of scenery doesn't solve the problem. Hupomene. Remain under. God's teaching you. So in closing, I want to do this. I want to just real quickly walk you through four more verses in like three minutes. And then we'll take the Lord's Supper. But as we look at this passage, count it all joy, my brothers. When you fall into various kinds of trials, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, here's what I want to say about that. Do you want that? Is that what you want? I want that. I believe you want that. I mean, we're here today, right? This is the message. This is what God has for us. So the question is this. Do you desire to be perfect and complete, wanting nothing? Is that really what you want? If you want that, you're going to have to have some insight. Because I'm telling you. This is tough. It is really difficult to go through trials and have joy. So what do I need? I need verse 5. I need wisdom. So if any man lacks wisdom, you say, wait a minute. Wisdom about what? Wisdom about my trials. I need to know, God, why is this happening? We talked about we're going to try to answer the question. Why trials? So my insight is this. I need wisdom. God, give it to me generously. And God says, if you'll ask, this is how I operate. I will give you insight generously. I'll do it without reproach. That, that simply means this. He's not going to sink his teeth into you. He's not going to be angry. He's not upset that you're asking. You know, sometimes I think we're afraid to ask. That we, are we being too pushy? No, no. God says, ask. I want you to ask. I want to give you insight. But then God says this. Do you really want to know? Because I think sometimes when we ask, we're like, God, I really want to know. But let me tell you first what it can't be. Here's what it can't be, God. I mean, as long as it's not this, I'm good. God says, no, you're not ready. I'm not going to tell you what, why, because you've got conditions. Listen, what's the next, what's, what's on your agenda next, God, for my sanctification? What is it, God, you're teaching me? I want it generously, God. I know how much you love me. But if I really want to know, look at verse 6. I've got to ask in faith. I've got to believe and not doubt. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. God, I really want to know. I'm humbling myself, God, under the mighty hand of God. God, I really do want to know. And by faith, I'm asking you, God. I don't want to doubt you, God. I really want to know. I'm humbling myself Nothing is off limits, God. Nothing is off limits. Tell me what it is. He says in verse 7, for that person who doubts 
must not suppose that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. Because he's double-minded. What does that mean? It means he's a two-souled person. He's, he's unstable in all his ways. What does it mean to be unstable? I want what God wants, but I don't want what God wants. I want to learn, but I'm angry. No, God says, I need you just to humble yourself and say, God, nothing's off limits. I need to know. I need insight. I need wisdom. Give it to me generously. And when we come to a place of full submission to God, and we bow the knee, we begin to understand why God's doing this. Let's bow our heads, shall we? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, what I want to do is just pray through the text, and then we're going to take of the Lord's Supper together. So I'd like to pray over you, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Father, I come to you today as your humble servant here today with my church family. And God, we're asking you to help us understand what it means to count it all joy. God, may we receive this supernatural joy this morning that can only come from you. Father, there's no way to look at our trials with joy by ourselves. Father, we need your help. Thank you for being the best example of of a heart full of perfect joy as you endured the cross and despised the shame for us. Father, I pray that we'd be willing to be tested knowing that the testing of our faith is going to produce hupomene, steadfastness. God, a steadfastness that remains under the pressure as you try to refine us and make us like pure gold. And may it have its full effect, God. Father, don't let up. Don't stop until you're finished. God, we humble ourselves willingly to you right now that as long as it takes, God, and as much as it takes, Father, we pray that it would have its full effect, that we may have life transformation, that this sanctification process would not be stopped because of our lack of faith. Oh, Father, we need wisdom. Give us wisdom generously. Give us wisdom without reproach. But, Father, may we not doubt as we ask. May there be no buts or ifs about it. Oh, God, in faith we ask as a church family. That you would show us, Father, what it is you're trying to do in our lives. That we not be double-minded, but clearly focused on what it is you're trying to teach us and show us. And we pray, God, that our minds and eyes would be opened to this path you have for us to perfection. Father, I love you and I love our people. I pray by grace we would remain under. I pray, God, by grace we would, you would produce steadfastness in our lives. And I pray by faith, you would give us wisdom to understand. And I pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.